They thought they were going to die. Three Cubans in a boat that capsized and sank, and all they could do was swim to a tiny, uninhabited Caribbean island, part of the Bahamas. For 33 days, two men and a woman waited for help. On a barren, sun-drenched island, three Cubans built a small shelter. They hoisted two flags and a large cross, which tells me they prayed. They lived on conch, rats, and coconuts. No water, only coconut milk. This week, a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter went back for another look after spotting the signals. They dropped food and water, and the next day a chopper returned and completed the rescue. In Minnesota, 26 anglers ice fishing when their sheet of ice separated from the shore. Thankfully, the Duluth Fire Department came to their aid on Lake Superior, all safely rescued. Death always knocking on our door. But Jesus also knocks, inviting us to join him and find rescue. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Thursday, we're in the second to final day in a series I pray has brought you hope, called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? Which kind of person are you? Do you live as though life will go on forever? Or do you live in mortal fear that death is around every corner? Those are two extremes, of course. But by and large, we tend to be tossed back and forth between the two. It's a matter of fact, death is real. Even with all our advances in medicine, technology, and life, expanding therapy, death cannot be stopped indefinitely. But the question is, how will you live in the meantime? That's just about the weightiest question of all, wouldn't you say? In a world with COVID-19, that question becomes all the more urgent. And there's no better way to answer that than by looking to Jesus. Our Lord knew that his final days were upon him. He traveled one last time to Jerusalem, fully knowing what would happen to him there. But in the meantime, he loved, and so should we. Coming up, we'll be looking at the last moments of Christ's life found in John 13. We'll also hear more from Dr. John Lennox, who's thought a lot about life and death, as well as living for Jesus in a coronavirus world. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy of John's new book that deals with this topic. Not only does he help answer some of our tough questions, John Lennox helps us see that we can find a sure and certain hope in Jesus for our daily lives today. Then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of John's book for your gift to the ministry. And the number to call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can come to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you visit us online, be sure and read a few pages from the book that we've put up. And just before our first song... We still have copies of the Gospel of Luke DVD, which includes a feature film following the entire gospel, word for word, in either the NIV or KJV. It's yours for your gift to the ministry. And now we open the program with Shane and Shane. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only that our souls to Him belong Who holds our days within His hand What 
comes apart from his grace, then what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing. our only hope in life and death, given to us by Shane and Shane as we open Haven Today and Where is God in a Coronavirus World. I'm Charles Morris. It is not a pleasant topic to think about. Scripture calls death the final enemy. Although God uses it to bring his people to himself, death is no friend of ours. It's natural only in a fallen, sin-wrecked world, but it's not natural not according to our Heavenly Father's good design. So, how do we get ready for it? Where is God in a Coronavirus World? Not only the title of Dr. John Lennox's book, it's the name of our series this week. It's our desire to equip you to live faithfully in troubled days. John Lennox does just that, both in his book and in the several helpful interviews he's given since writing it. In an interview with Cherie Harder of the Trinity Forum in Washington, Dr. Lennox was asked how Christians should prepare for death. I think his very personal answer about his own brush with death will be an encouragement to you. I had very little time because I'd had a bit of warning with pain in my heart, as it turned out. I was taken into hospital. They sent me home. They thought it could be cured with medicine. The pain got worse, and suddenly I was rushed in in an ambulance. And the next thing I heard was a young doctor saying, we're losing him. And they actually ran with me on a trolley to the operating theater. And fortunately, there, there was a surgeon there. And at the door of the theater, I said goodbye to my wife. I've been married over 50 years. I said goodbye to her because 
it seemed there was absolutely no hope. And the door closed behind me and I went in and they started the operation. And the doctor said, look, he said, there's no blood coming through your right coronary artery. Please be quiet. I'm going to have to operate very rapidly. And there was dead silence for 40 minutes. And then he bent over me and he said, Professor Lennox, I don't know what to say to you. You should be dead. That were his first words. And I said, really? Yes, he said. I don't understand why you're not dead, but your heart hasn't even been damaged. You can go home tomorrow, which was amazing. Now, what I want to report, and this is just what happened to me, is this. I had complete peace. And that was astonishing because it it wasn't just an intellectual peace that I knew what I was. It was a sense of calm, of knowing where I was going, of knowing that the Lord whom I've walked with for many years now, since my teenage, wasn't going to let me down. So I'm thankful for that, but there's a codicil to it. You see, at almost the same time, my sister, who had a lovely daughter of 22, just married to a youth pastor, she got a brain tumor and it killed her. So it's all very well for me to be thankful that my life was saved and I've been given another dozen years that have been very productive. But that wasn't true for my sister. And if we're going to get these things in a a right sense of proportion, I've not only got to be thankful for myself, I've got to have something to say to people who do lose loved ones in this way or lose their own lives. But all I can say is, well, it's not an all. It's a very important thing is that the Lord has promised to be near us when we're in situations. He hasn't always promised to tell us everything beforehand. It's a bit like where he told the disciples that if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. But don't worry what you're going to say, because in that hour it will be given to you. Now, he wasn't giving them an excuse not to prepare a talk. This is when you're suddenly caught out and you're put into the court and and, and you don't really know what to do. How shall I respond? He said, I'm going to meet you in the situation. And I think that's what I experienced. And, And therefore, I would expect that you can generalize that, that the Lord meets us in our need. And on the cross, if you say, where was God in the middle of the suffering? Well, he was there suffering. And that is a message for our hearts. We can't explain it all or rationalize it all in that sense but it has a huge and deep and important comforting emotional impact that we need dr john lennox speaking with the trinity forum describing his own near-death experience and what the lord taught him about comforting those facing death themselves this is the heart of the matter the reality of death should not lead us to fear but instead to love The Bible uses all kinds of images to describe our lives, a mist, an evening shadow, a flower that blooms and is carried away by the wind. Don't you want that life to be characterized by love? I do. And that's what Jesus offers to us. By placing our trust in him and by following his example, believers are equipped to make their very lives a testimony of God's love for those facing death. I want to look at a brief but powerful message in Scripture. In John 13, we read about Jesus before his own death, 
And what, the gospel writer John tells us, is breathtaking. Verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Well, what was Jesus up to in those final hours? Seeing that will help us see how we should live, knowing that death can come at any moment. Throughout the Gospel of John, we hear about Jesus' hour. He's able to escape a mob because his hour had not come. He isn't crowned the king at the time because his hour was not there yet. But here the hour has come, and the Messiah knew it. John said it was the hour for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. In other words, that hour wasn't just a single moment. It was a series of events, his death and then his resurrection, and then his ascension to the Father's right hand. That time had finally come. Jesus knew that joy was on the other side of his death, but that didn't eliminate the sadness and the hardship and the pain. His death would be brutal. He would face an execution specifically designed to dehumanize its victims. And at the center of that terrible event, he would take on the sins of the world. What great weight was upon our Savior's shoulders in those hours leading to his death. But look at what he was doing. John told us, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved his own. That's a phrase we see in the very first chapter of this gospel. That's where John wrote, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. The very ones that Christ was actively loving in his final hours before death were those that had rejected him or would reject him. In the very next verses, Jesus knelt down and washed his disciples' feet, even the feet of Judas. That very same night, Judas would betray Jesus into the hands of his murderers. It's not much better with the rest of the disciples. As their shepherd was struck, they all scattered. Peter had declared his full allegiance to the Lord, but when the moment came to prove his love, he denied him. And here's the point. Jesus loves wicked people. What kind of scoundrels and cowards were sitting at the table with him that night before his death? Well, people just like you and me. People who valued their own lives more than Christ. Like them, we hope that when we face danger and death, we will stand firm in the Lord. And here's the good news. By his grace, and by his grace alone, we will. We may falter like the disciples, but not finally. He has the power to restore us, even when we fall. That's the scope of Jesus' love for sinners. He loves us now. He will love us to the very end. He loves so purely and beautifully in the hour of his own death. Be confident that he will continue in his love for you when the hour of your death comes as well. He loves you with an eternal love. All those who trust in him are promised safe passage through death. And just as he died and was raised and ascended to his father, so shall we. Death is our enemy, make no mistake. But in Jesus Christ, death becomes our doorway to his very presence. That is love. And that's what Jesus was up to, even in his final hours. But how can we respond? What should our lives look like, knowing that death will come to us all? The answer is broadly the same. 
look to Jesus. You and I were his enemies, and he loved us even to death. And by that death, he has given us the ability to love our enemies too. Where is God in a coronavirus world? Where is he in the overcrowded hospitals and the socially distanced funeral homes? He shows up in our love for one another. As Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he told them, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's true whether life is smooth sailing or it landed you on a ventilator in a hospital ICU. Those who think, believe, and live differently than you remain objects of your love. Christ has loved his enemies. He says to us, go and do likewise. This passage here in John 3 also reminds us of another important reality. We are still in the world. John says that Jesus loved his own who were in the world. These are the same people he prays for in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He prays that they will be strengthened and united, knowing that they are still in the world. It's a world of sin and death. And so believers must learn to pray with Psalm 90. Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. What might that look like, even as we endure the trials of life? Again, here's Dr. John Lennox. Whether you find meaning in it is a moot point. To find meaning through it and to find meaning while we're in it is another matter altogether. Now, again, I'm finding a lot of meaning while I'm going through it, but it's not meaning in it. It's meaning in all the things that I've been given time to reflect about, including uh, the Christian response to it. And I think what is very important, that is if we can do it. And again, it's so hard for me to speak. I don't know you as an individual or what your circumstance is, although I have every sympathy with the question, is I would want to ask, what are you doing to have a meaningful day-by-day existence in spite of what is happening. And if we spend all our time, as many young people are sadly doing, playing video games or watching television, well, we can get some interesting knowledge from TV. But doing something creative, some people haven't read books for years, to, to read a few books, to think about things, to contact people, to discuss these matters, to read famous literature that deals with this kind of a problem. That would be one way, but you not necessarily find meaning in it. But the question is, can I find meaning while I am enduring it? We are in the world. That means we're subject to all kinds of temptations and dangers. It means that death is indeed eventually coming to us all. How should we live in this world then? I so appreciate Professor Lennox's advice. Find meaning as you press on. I know what a struggle it's been in my own life in this last year. It's so easy to click away hours of the day looking at news stories or social media, but that won't help me. It won't help you to gain a heart of wisdom. I'm not saying never read the news, never go online, but I am saying that we should fill our minds and fill our hearts with things that challenge and stimulate us. The Lord in his kindness uses this to help us see others as image bearers of God. Only then can we love them as Christ has commanded us. But of course, 
The power to love only comes through God's Word and God's Holy Spirit. We aren't prone to love those around us, let alone our enemies. And this calling becomes even harder when the circumstances of life become dire. Don't wait until your dying day to begin showing love to others. Our Lord Jesus will love you even to the end. And may he give us the power to do the same. It is not death to die, to leave this weary road. And join the saints who dwell on high, who found their home with God. It is not death to close, the eyes long dimmed by tears. Wake in joy before your throne Delivered from my fears Oh Jesus Conquering the grave Your precious Blood has power to save Those who trust in Will in your mercy find that it is not death to die. It is not death to fling aside this earthly dust. And rise with strong and noble wing To live among the just It is not death to hear The key unlock the door That sets us free from mortal years To praise you evermore Oh Jesus It is not death to die. Isn't that a great title for a song? Originally written in French back in 1832 by a pastor, Henri Caesar Malan, words only a Christian could honestly sing with a new tune by Bob Coughlin and Sovereign Grace. I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. Where is God in a coronavirus world?
That song was about Jesus and how his followers can trust him in life and in death. This is the theme of the Bible, and it's the theme for our ministry. When we're all about Jesus, we can truly sing, it is not death to die. But this side of heaven, we can all end up a little like Peter and take our eyes off Jesus. We can see the waves and the storms of life, and we can begin to sink. But Jesus is our faithful Savior, who walks with us even when we are distracted or overwhelmed with life. And this comforting theme comes through Dr. John Lennox's new book, Where is God in a Coronavirus World? As you read it, John will help answer some of your tough questions about why God allows a virus to rage in our world. But more importantly, he will help you focus your eyes on Jesus, who walks with us in all our storms of life. I want to send you a copy of Where is God in a Coronavirus World for your gift of support to the ministry that helps point people to Jesus every day. And the number to call right now is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, read a few pages from the book, and make your gift there at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And I'm sure you've heard me mention it, but if you still haven't gotten a copy of the Gospel of Luke DVD, we still have this feature film that tells Christ's story word for word. You choose from either the NIV or the KJV. You can ask about it when you call or watch the trailer online. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when we end this series? But we'll do this in light of the great story together on the program that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. What does it really mean to live life in this world as a Christian? We know the Lord Jesus calls us salt and light, that what we do and say in this world speaks volumes about what we truly value. An old theologian once said, the Christian life is simple. Love God and do as you please. Or in the words of Psalm 4, offer the sacrifice of the righteous and trust in the Lord. The Christian life is a life of perfect freedom. We are free to love the Lord. We are free to love our neighbors. Now, it may not feel like it, but in Christ, we are fully accepted. And to our part, turn your eyes full of faith to Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.